On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we are welcoming back our very own model, aka Aaron, as we are looking back at last week's wild divisional round of playoff games. The Ravens go down in shocking, epic fashion. We're going to bring on our NFL insider, Coulter, to see if anybody has the ability to stop Derrick Henry. The man is a machine right now. We're also going to look at all the other games, including the absolutely insane Chiefs-Texans game. Our question to the listeners is, has there ever been a bigger gambling disappointment than if you bet the Texans plus 9.5, plus 10, plus 10.5 even at some books, and they don't cover with the score being 24 nothing after the first quarter? Shocking. We're going to look at Bill O'Brien and tell you why he still has a job. It's beyond me. And then we look ahead to the championship weekend. You've got Chiefs. You've got Packers, Niners. You've got the Titans. Here we go. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent all right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. Once again, we are joined by the model, a.k.a. Aaron. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you feeling? You know, I f- I'm feeling rested. I took a week off last week. It was a, a, a great thing to do. I've been in the lab working on modeling stuff for it's not going to be used until months from now, but I'm back. I'm ready, and I'm ready to jump back into this NFL games with you and Coulter. That's what I like to hear, man. Hey, you know, podcast game is a grind. Even <laughs> podcasters need a week off, folks. So uh, you said it there. We're also welcoming on our own NFL insider, Coulter, to the show. A lot to discuss, Coulter. How you feeling today? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I'm excited about this conference championship uh, weekend. Uh, it's definitely going to be a welcome break from all this negative uh, news about the uh, stealing Astros and sign stealing in baseball, which has kind of dominated the headlines shockingly this week. Uh, not to make it about not football, but I mean, it really has been. This week has been consumed by this negative news. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for the games and just to kind of clear the head. It will be like a wa- washing your mouth out at the end of a night of drinking or something yeah. like that. Well, that would be nice. To get I mean, on the lots field, of baseball. lots of the baseball gr- going on. Yeah, the gridiron will will feel it'll be good to watch on come Sunday for sure. Absolutely. So let's just jump right in there. You've got a major prop bet, Colt. There, so there's a lot yeah. on the line <laughs> for you here. And now before we jump say, into this, that and I, that and I have I have uh, you know a nice little future from back in August. So that I, that's definitely got my interest going for sure. Absolutely. And before we d- jump into the specifics, so let's break down the season that you were having money gambling fantasy wise. You won your fantasy league, collected some cash, right? You I won did. our picks league, collected a ton of cash. Yep. And now you got this prop bet. So tell us about this one. So this was bet back uh, in August. It was, uh, you know, I decided I'm going to throw in 25 bucks into the Bovada machine. Uh, actually, maybe I shouldn't say that, you know. But yeah, anyways, put it in <laughs> and got the Packers and the the Chiefs, which is a Super Bowl one rematch. Now everyone in the media is saying it now that they're one of the final four teams. I saw this baby back in August, and it was ripe. Uh, the Packers were, I, I have it at 850. 
Uh, so plus 800, uh, you know, around that area. And the chief, the chiefs were 450. Um, and so it came out to be about to be 49, uh, some, somewhere close to that. And the 25 is going to pay off over 1200 bucks. So yeah, it's exciting. That is <laughs> I, need, I need Mahomes and Rogers. I need the state farm bowl. I need the first super bowl <laughs> rematch in the hundredth season. Uh, if you go back and listen, I think I said it in one of our preview pods that I'd love the Super Bowl and rematch element. And now that's what people are talking about. Maybe it's too obvious this weekend, but I'm, my fingers are crossed. Uh, and I'm considering different ways to hedge. I'm not going to lie. It's the, the thought has definitely come into my mind throughout the week is how I can possibly hedge this one out. Yeah. And uh, we'll tweet it out from the Double Down Trend account. You got a screenshot. This We've, we've got timestamps and everything showing this pick by you. So that's a good job. Now, yeah, I was going to say, I'll, I'll show the Twitter pick. I don't know if I want to show the money on the. Uh, yeah. Let's the do the Twitter pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Mr. Model, this is where we're jumping in. We had discussed hedging in the past. Why don't you just give the listeners a little reminder uh, what exactly hedging is and maybe give Coulter some thoughts to, to stew on before we go into the weekend of games. Well, we should definitely talk about this off the air after this podcast and go into detail. But this is going to be your opportunity that if your early bet, your futures bet kind of comes to fruition and you have some outs and other possibilities toward the end of the year when these games are hitting, you're going to be able to make a smaller bet or maybe a significant size bet to make sure that you essentially have a, a free roll. Now, granted, it's going to mean that you're going to win a little less, but it's also going to mitigate your risk. So yeah, right so now you have to, I'm trying to middle it, basically. It, somewhere. Exactly. So yeah. to me, the one that I'm, you know, is top of mind for me is is Green Bay going to get past San Francisco this weekend? So there's something that we may want to talk about there to say, OK, well, what if we bet? Yeah, you know, my, pl- San Francisco my plan of winning. Is, a- is actually to hit San Francisco after the Chiefs win. And if the Chiefs don't win, my twenty five bucks go up, goes up in flames. But yep. it doesn't really matter because it's 25 bucks. So basically, I'm betting 25 on the Chiefs, which is a ridiculous uh, – what is it? Minus 300-something? I don't have it up right now. But it's – so basically, that's how I'm going to play it and then go with the Niners uh, or maybe do the Niners that morning of and just have that as an insurance. But that was my kind of game plan. What do you guys think about that? I agree with the model because uh, the, the Green Bay – 49ers game is the first game. So you're going to know how you're sitting no, going no, into the, that the, game. The, the Chiefs is the first game. You're right. Excuse me. You're right. The Chiefs yeah. is the first game. So you're going to know how you're sitting going into that game. I personally, and we'll save this uh, as we make our picks here, but you got to like Kansas City's chances here. Uh, I know, right. again, I'm doing a, a video discussion here. I'm sporting my Andy Reid mustache right now in support <laughs> of Coach Reid. I want to see him win. Uh, we just saw that offense explode. Uh, I think they can do it again, but Tennessee's been hot, so you never know. My advice is let it ride. Uh, let Kansas City go. See how that game progresses. Right. And then you had your bet. Yeah, I was going to say, part of me just really wants to let it ride because this has just been so such a fun year. And I feel like all this crap about it being the Super Bowl one anniversary thing, you know, it's overblown. But at the same time, I'm the one that said it back in August. So it's like they're taking my line. And you know what? If it ends up happening, I'll just feel all that much better about it. So I'm not going to let that get to me. And I'm not going to think that everybody's everyone's betting that parlay because I don't think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people think it's going to be Kansas City and San Fran. It seems to be the popular choice. I agree. So you got a lot to stew on there. A lot to think about. Oh, yeah. Could be a really good weekend for you, though. Yes, it can be. So the other thing we want to do before we jump in and look back at the games from last week, there's a couple of interesting prop bets that we just can't help ourselves to discuss. So I think the first one that we'll do here is the odds uh, to who's going to have the most passing yards 
this weekend in championship round. Okay, so obviously there's only four quarterbacks left. They are Patrick Mahomes minus 135, Jimmy G at plus 270, Rodgers at plus 300, and Tannehill at plus 800. Now, gut pick here, Mr. Model. What are you thinking? I'm going to – can I – before I even give you a pick, can I give you a a word of caution? Yes, please do. So one of the things that I always like to do on bets like this is I like to calculate the hold – that the casino is is running. And what I mean by that is you just gave me the odds, minus 135, 270, 300, and 800. You translate that to the implied, prob- implied probability of those winning. So let's just take Mahomes for a second. The implied probability of him winning based on 135 is 57%. Okay. So you add up all those implied probabilities. And typically what you'll see, if you do a minus 110 bet, on both sides, that's going to be right around 100, 104%. So if you think of something that happens 50% of the time, you pick one, you're kind of paying a 2.5%, let's just call it, kind of rake or hold to the casino for making that bet. On something like this, if you add up all those implied percentages, it's 100, 121%. So there's 21% hold that the casino is doing. It's way more than what a regular bet is going to be. So just make sure that you have a word of warning before you do uh, take some stuff like this, because something like this is just going to be long-term, not profitable, just based on how much they're holding. Now you threw out a lot of numbers, a lot of very <laughs> above the shoulders, kind of mustardy stuff. I don't even know what you said. Can I, can I, pro- can I process that real quick? Synthes- yes. Synthesize it. Stay away from this prop bet. Yes. Now, that's the smart thing to do. You both just offered very smart things. Let me jump in as the (laughs) resident not smart gambler here, okay? How are you not going to make one of two bets here, okay? The obvious answer is Mahomes, but that's minus 135. I don't hate minus 135. Mahomes just went off for 446 or whatever it was last weekend. The wild card to me, the only one that you possibly think of here is Rodgers at plus 300. But he's going up against the Niners defense who's got a nasty pass rush. You got to bet Patrick Mahomes here. That is a fucking lock. Yeah. I, I'm just going with the stay away <laughs> because I don't trust <laughs> Rogers receivers. I don't really trust what Jimmy G has. You know, they looked great at points during min- that game against Minnesota. And I know they could probably pop off here and be the story of the weekend, but I still just don't really trust that San Francisco crew. I like Kittle and I like Sanders, but there's just something about the receivers there. And then you have Tannehill. It's like process of elimination. You get to Mahomes. Um, Bovada Mahomes is already uh, minus 180, so it's like the value is already trickling away at that. And as the model just went over, like the, the value is not there already to begin with, and so it's getting just sucked up like the milkshake, and there will be blood. Uh, you know, you just you stay away from this one. I think would be the advice. Mahomes is if you want to have a play and get some easy money, you play that, and then you hope it hits, and then save it for the Super Bowl. I guess I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, minus 180 makes you think about it, so that's something to stew on as well. I've been saying speak, a lot this speak, Speaking of a minus 180 bet, we took the Eagles over win total. Remember that at minus 180. You don't do those uh, kind of things. That's, uh, that's, that's true. Bad, that's bad business for the listeners. All right. I've got another one that's perhaps more intriguing because every option here is in the plus odds, meaning that you're probably going to win money if this hits. But that also means more of a long shot here. So that would be the odds to be named Super Bowl 54 MVP. So I'm going to read through a couple of interesting ones. There's a lot of long shots here. Uh, but the best ones to me, you got Mahomes at plus 160. You've got Garoppolo at plus 200. So that's Vegas telling you they think it's going to be Chiefs and Niners. 
You've got Rodgers plus 750, Tannehill plus 900, Derrick Henry plus 1,200, George Kittle plus 1,600. And that's where you start to get some value. And the one that stands out to me here is Travis Kelsey at plus 2,800. Now, I know this is a loaded pick. There's a field bet involved that Coulter's going to go over. But Mr. Model, any value there? Any thoughts on maybe getting into that pool? Or is this another stay away? Yeah, to me, the value is long gone. But for something fun, I wouldn't hate that Kelsey pick if I can find that at plus 2,800. To me, there's also there's going to be a risk there because he's going to obviously get past two from Mahomes. So if Mahomes is on, Kelsey's also going to win. But if he just has a monster game, maybe he can sneak that out. But uh, when I look at these, I look at more for rooting fun than anything valuable that you're going to have an edge. Yeah. I, I think uh, you have to, for this one, because we don't know who's playing in the game, it's a pass right now because the field is going to be offered at 10 to 11 to 1 uh, when this bet actually comes out for Super Bowl Sunday, which I imagine they're going to have all the props out by Tuesday after these conference championship games. Um, three of the last 20 guys were from the field. Uh, so I think you just have to take the history there and be very cautious with that approach because you might be betting on two teams that might not make the game in general. And then you have a bunch of players that could potentially be the uh, MVP of the Super Bowl. One of my favorite stories, I don't think I've ever told you guys, this is breaking news on air is I had a 100 to one Robert Alford to win Super Bowl MVP, the Falcons year when he picked <laughs> sixth Brady. Actually, you know what? Hold on. Scratch that. It was actually 200 to one. I only put one buck on it, but I would have won $200 on a 200 to one bet <laughs> on Robert shit. Alford. And he picked six Brady in the Super Bowl. I was going bananas. <laughs> That was like one of my all-time favorite props. So that's the kind of thing where I'm talking about. You just have to kind of wait to see the board because you can see the field. You can get some deep ones. Uh, you don't know who the hell the MVP is going to be. In terms of the board, I like Henry at 12 to 1, and I like Aaron Jones at 25 to 1. I think Aaron Jones is actually your best bet, um, and here's why. At 25 to 1, you're getting a ton of value here that you wouldn't get taking the Packers straight up. It's only 650 uh, for them to win the Super Bowl outright. That's nothing. That's not really good in my opinion. That's not good value at all. Uh, if you take them straight up money line this week against San Fran and then take them again in the Super Bowl, assuming that it's against Kansas City, you're getting about back 13 to 1. Aaron Jones is, again, double that, 25 to 1. So that's pretty damn good. Um, if Rodgers is 700 the other way on that, uh, I think I'm going to take his tailback and the league's leading rush uh, t- touchdown leader in rush TDs. Uh, he's going to pull a Terrell Davis, I think, and help round out the back end of Aaron Rodgers' legacy. So for the listeners at home, if you're going to take this one this weekend, 25 to 1 Aaron Roger, or Aaron Jones, um, if you like Green Bay to get past San Fran, you're almost betting on – Packers money line, but you're getting 25 to one value. Cause I think if green Bay wins the super bowl, it's either going to be Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones. I really don't see another scenario unless Rodgers gets hurt and it goes to uh, Devonte Adams. Cause the backups thrown in the football or something wild like that, I, that or a, again, the field bet, which I guess we'll go into next week when we preview the super bowl. But I think Aaron Jones is your safe bet. If you like green Bay to win the super bowl, and you're getting a ton of value here at 25 to one compared to the six fifty. I like it. I'm just nervous about picking anybody that I don't think is going to get in that game. And I, I don't think the Packers yeah, you don't are like, winning that game. If you game. don't like Green Bay, do not take right. that. I, that, is, right. that is a strict, uh, only if you like Green Bay uh, kind of bet. Because if you like Green Bay, you're not getting enough value taking them straight up or uh, in the future taking them to win the Super Bowl. I, again, I, I really don't like that 650. I think that's cheap. I think it's suspicious, and I think that's why I like Green Bay even more. I'm getting antsy about this prop bet that I have. I, I'm loving the, the more I look into it. 
that 650 is telling me that the book thinks Green Bay can get into the Super Bowl. I like it. All right. That's interesting. Uh, that's I, low, right? If I were to ask you that, you would have you would have said 10 to 1, right, to win the Probably. Super Bowl. That means you have to win this weekend and then and, win the Super Bowl. That's a yeah. lot for a team that you don't most people don't think is going to win this week. There's there's seven and a half point doc. Very interesting, Coulter. Picking uh, it up. Picking it up. Here we go. That's what we do here. <laughs> So before uh, any other talks about Super Bowls, prop bets, which we'll we'll certainly cover in a future episode here, it's time for us to now go back. Let's analyze those games from last week because it was weird. There were some weird, weird things happening, particularly with the teams that had buys. Uh, Let's start with the first game, the Vikings and the Niners. Really, the Niners were the only team to me from the teams that had a buy that just looked sharp, prepared, that looked like they came to play. I don't have a ton of like bad coaching. I I just think that this game really showed you what the Niners are capable of and the type of team they are. They're almost a throwback. I mean, they've got the dominant rush game, an incredible front four on defense that can not only rush the passer, but also are incredible at stopping the run. And then you've got a quarterback who just makes smart decisions, who can throw the ball and has an absolute weapon in a guy like George Kittle. So they've got the recipe. Um, Coulter, did you see any major takeaways in terms of coaching, bad coaching? Uh, what do you got from this game? Yeah, no, I think you hit it pretty much right on the right on the head. Uh, the Vikings didn't get enough time because they had to play that game uh, Sunday in the Superdome against New Orleans. And I think when I was doing the handicap with you last week, that was something we just completely whiffed on. They played five days earlier. San Fran was coming off their first rest since week four. They had an early bye week. I think those are two things we really missed. San Fran desperately needed the off week. They needed the bye. And as you said, they came in fresh. The Vikings of all the teams that played the previous weekend were put on the roughest schedule, I thought. Uh, And then we failed to assess Adam Thielen's injury, which happened after we recorded and that impacted Minnesota's offense. That was the only thing, only, only other thing that I caught. Um, yeah. And, and San Fran had two defensive guys returning Alexander. And I think one other guy who was, who were, were out. So it really, all those factors combined, it was a recipe for disaster for Minnesota and San Fran just kind of, yeah, they cleaned up. They, they're dominant on the D line and, and they got the push that they needed up there. And, and that was the difference of the game. Yeah, you went in the really, trenches in the postseason. We all know yeah. that, right? <laughs> they've got a throwback model, and I, I really enjoyed watching the game. Uh, I'm curious to see how they're going to do this week against Green Bay. I, you know, the home field advantage, we talked about it. You, you never really felt like that was any kind of a factor in the game, but you could just tell that the defense was better, the run game was better, and a, like a lot of the teams in the playoffs, uh, their their type of game was jump to a lead and rely on your defense and rely on that running game, and they executed. And, and that game, to me, wasn't surprising. And I don't think there was really any kind of bad coaching by Mike Zimmer or the Vikings. They just got beat by a better team. Yeah. One other thing I want to add into the listeners, cause I I've been harping on this point. I'm not necessarily backing off of it, but San Fran at home. You remember I was making that point last week. Um, I did a little bit of research on this and although they are three, four and one against the spread at home, and I don't like that home crowd necessarily. Cause I think it's in the middle of nowhere. They are actually absurdly over a hundred points against at home this season. So they've outscored teams at their own house over 120 points. I should say they've beat up on teams like the Panthers and the Browns. So take that with a grain of salt, but you can't ignore that kind of stat. And I missed that until uh, doing some back end research after I got my butt uh, kicked by the Vikings plus seven last week, uh, last yeah. week. So paid the price there, but learned a valuable lesson. Niners gain margin at home folks. So this is a team that uh, even though they were three and four and one against the spread, 
they actually somehow were really good. <laughs> They're really good at beating teams up at home, even though the spread record doesn't show that. Yeah. So let's go to the second game on Saturday, which to me was the biggest shocker of the weekend. Some might say a uh, historic victory by the Titans. This game watching it was the most frustrating game of, of the weekend for me. I was watching this game just blown away by a how unprepared the Ravens looked B just how dominant the Titans looked and talk about a throwback model of playing football. That's what, exactly what the Titans are doing. And the NFL, gotta, the NFL nightmare is Niners and Titans. And oh, that's absolutely. not just because I have the prop bet. I think that's definitely the one that they want to avoid the most. Yeah. Cause that that's giving you like, you know, 1990s style football that no one really wants to see anymore, except for the teams that are built that way. Uh, but for me, you know, Lamar Jackson, when you look at his stat line at the end of that game, if you just looked at that stat line, you would think that the Ravens easily won that game. At the end of the day, his numbers were good. But when you watch that game, he didn't play well at all. He was throwing just ducks. Even when he was scrambling, it looked like he was indecisive here. There's a lot to dissect here. Coulter, what do you got from this game? Um. You know, my big takeaway from this game, and I've liked this guy since the preseason. Uh, this is probably one of the other, only other things I called right was Tennessee. I actually had them winning the division. It's because I really like Dean Pease's defense in Tennessee. Uh, they've, they've missed at some points this season. The secondaries look bad because of injuries, but that front seven is fully healthy and they're locked and loaded. They're deep and they got pressure. They beat Baltimore off the ball. And just like the Niners control the line of scrimmage battle. Uh, one big takeaway, and you learn a lesson from every game here this past weekend, or at least I did. I got blindsided by Baltimore's offense. Uh, they played this game against the jets on Thursday night. And for some reason I was obsessing over that while doing my handicap last week. And I don't know why, what I failed to apply is, is that the jets defense that night was missing five defensive starters and it was a Thursday night. So they were on short rest, but watching that game, Baltimore scored 42 and it looked like if they were actually firing on all cylinders, they could have scored a hundred. So I was just thinking, wow, Baltimore's historic offense is so good. They can't get beat in the first weekend that they're playing. And I just totally missed how good I, and I've always liked Dean Pease and his defense. And I missed that. I, that was like a blind spot in my rear view mirror. I completely missed. I've always liked that defense this year, but I just thought Baltimore's offense is going to get the better of them. and, And they just didn't. And Tennessee's front seven is nasty. And that's the point that I guess I missed in doing the pick last week. Yeah. And I'm going to lay out a couple of like things that I saw from the game where the game, in my opinion, swung. It was early in this game. Okay. Because the tight came out. They really just, just punched the Ravens in the face. They run the ball down their throat. Their defense came to play. Baltimore uh, hadn't really been trailing in a while too, which I think is an right. important thing, which so is really important. Talk about. And to me, yeah. I think the game turned, uh, it was early in the game. It was eight minutes in the first quarter. The Ravens are driving, but it was that very first Lamar Jackson interception. So it was the overthrow, I believe to uh, his tight end Andrews that was intercepted. So the Ravens were driving there. Okay. They, they were going in. It would have, the ball would have been on the 20 yard line going in for a touchdown to take the lead. And the Ravens are the type of team that plays from ahead. Like you just said, they hadn't been trailing in a while. Their style, just like the Titans is get ahead and grind you down. Instead, you get the interception there. And on top of that, Lamar Jackson gets flagged for that like horse collar face mask penalty. So now instead of the Ravens with the ball and the Titans 20 going in, the Titans have the ball on the Ravens 30 going in. And they score a touchdown. They capitalize there. Okay. So for me, this next sequence, this was the first bad coaching decision of the game. And I want to see what you think about this one. Cause Harbaugh gets a lot of credit for being a great coach and he should. Okay. So here's the decision start of the second quarter. It's fourth and one for the Ravens on their own 45 yard line. They get stuffed there. 
And the play call, it was a weird play call to me. They had Lamar Jackson in that pistol set, and all he did was, like, dive it up the middle there. He ran right behind center and just got stuffed. So, A, what do you think of the decision to go for it? And, B, what do you think of the play call? The play call is terrible. Let's let's, let's cover that one. Yeah, let's cover that one first and foremost. Terrible play call, and that's – I don't mind the decision. They needed a spark. I mean, that team was just dead from the get-go. And I heard somebody was comparing it because, and I, you know, being a Bronco fan, I think I was more afraid of the Niners that's happening too, is a one seed going down early to a team like this that looked like they were the best offense. It looked like the Broncos when they lost to the Ravens. No, that game was totally different. That game went to overtime. Uh, and those two teams were very competitive that day. This was not competitive. And, and the Ravens didn't look like they came to play after they're getting knocked around a few times. And that was just another play where, they just didn't get any leverage up front on the offensive line and credit to the D line. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons, this kid that they drafted, I mean, I feel stupid that the Broncos didn't get him. He looks dynamite. Daquan Jones, Darrell Casey. I mean, these guys are lightning in a bottle up front. Uh, Wesley Woodyard, former Bronco, just calling him out. I mean, these guys are great. I, I like what they have up front and uh, we'll get to the pick later, but I, I really like Tennessee's D line. Yeah. And now to me, I just to bring it back to that game real quick. So they get stuff there. The very next play, and I swear on all things holy, I turn and I go, I go, they're going to take a deep shot. This is the perfect time to take a deep shot here. Colt, you play football. What does every coach tell you after a change of possession? Look for a trick play or a deep shot. And that's exactly what the Titans did. Is that especially a team that's been game? Yes, especially running uh, the running it the way they have, too. What a sigh of relief. Our defense just came up with a key turnover on downs, and now we can take a shot, you know? And, and I literally called that. I was like, they're going to take a shot here no matter what. And, of course, it was a touchdown. They're up 14 nothing. That's the game right there. That was exactly what the Titans wanted. Get up, get a big lead, and then just rely on Derrick Henry, and that's what they did. I have a stat, though. It is Confidence booster for uh, Tannehill, too. It's the right time to take a shot because if it works, his confidence is soaring, which it was all game, even though he really didn't do much at all again, which is the amazing part about this Tennessee run is – we have a team that's threatening to get, make the Super Bowl with basically no quarterback passing yards in the modern NFL. So Great it's a weird, point. it's a weird storyline and one that, quite frankly, I don't want to be hearing on Monday. But if we are hearing about it, so be it. But I, I, I want my bet more than anything. But I, I, for some reason, I can hear us talking about how good Tennessee's run <laughs> offense is and Tannehill and how odd it is at the NFL that there's a team in the Super Bowl that isn't passing because I, I think that's a storyline that some people might be missing is that this is like, this could be going on for another two weeks is how the Titans aren't passing at all. They, <laughs> they're, they they're honestly, games. they remind me of the 2007 New York giants where they had Brandon Jacobs. They had a crazy defensive yeah. line. Like they kind of remind me of that now last stat from this game, before we jump into Sunday's games, if I told you the Baltimore Ravens would have the ball inside the Titans 40 yard line eight times and only score 12 points, you would think I was insane. That is a bananas stat. I think it goes back to what you asked earlier. Is it the play calling or is it the situational uh, kind of awareness or whatever you want to do? And I, I watched that game and not once was I, you know, my friends are texting me. Why is Harbaugh going for it all these times? I didn't really think that was that bad. I mean, maybe some of them were, but like collectively, I think he was just doing what he had to do. They had the great offense and you got to just trust your MVP quarterback. Uh, I don't, question the call situationally i just question the play calls that they decided on all those plays they just dialed up the wrong things and tennessee just beat them flat out and that's the the weird thing about san fran and tennessee is bottom line is they just beat their opponents flat out and there wasn't you know any rhyme or reason to it other than they were just better up front just 
football at its yeah. finest. I, I, that was my takeaway from Saturday, at least. And that so, uh, Baltimore didn't like getting hit in the mouth at all. They, they just never recovered from that. So let's go to the big I was going to say, th- the these two games are like the little mini appetizer yeah. before the meal that you're like, starving yourself for at a wedding or something. The Texans-Chiefs game had to be one of the most wild playoff games in the history of yeah. the league. Even more so, probably one of the most insane gambling football gambling. games that you'll ever see in your life. So do you guys, either of you, Mr. Model and Coulter, do you ever think in the history of NFL gambling, there is a team that had a 34-point lead after a quarter and didn't cover that spread? Do you think that's ever happened? Yeah. You mean a 34-point cover? Cover, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't I think mean, it's ever it, happened. It's, it's implausible. Horrible. I mean, talk about you just said the Baltimore thing, eight drives and 12 points. I mean, that you just think about it in your head. And you're like, that can't happen. Yeah, but it, it did happen last Sunday. And it's pretty wild. Not only did they not cover, but they lost outright by 20. So this is our guy. Let's go into this because this is our guy. We've talked about Bill fucking O'Brien. It, it almost seemed fitting that the guy that we've been circling around all year that this happened to him, the gambling, yeah. apo- gambling apocalypse for the Houston franchise. Not that it really affects the franchise that the gambling thing happened to him, but like it really is statistically an anomaly for sure. If there's anyone out there who doesn't think that momentum plays a factor in sports, especially football, I would put this game tape on and just watch it because this is where the game swung. Okay, so the Chiefs are at 21 nothing. It's fourth and one on the Chiefs 12 yard line. Texans have a chance to absolutely end the game. And it looked like they're originally going to go for it. But then O'Brien calls a timeout. Now, I would love to know what was going on in the headsets there because he goes out instead of going for it, kicks the field goal, plays it conservative. Now, the Chiefs, you can say. Yeah, you go up 24-0 on the road there. I can understand the, the conservative play there. Chiefs weren't moving the ball, but the Chiefs were moving the ball. All that was happening was they were dropping bad passes. So now it's 24-0. The very next kickoff, Chiefs get a huge return. They score a touchdown in less than a minute. So now it's 24-7. Texans get the ball back. What happens? A quick three and out. They bring the punt team on. Now, this is the decision to me, okay? Because Bill O'Brien, you got to be consistent, Okay. If you're going to be conservative on the field goal, you got to play conservative there and punt the ball. But instead, he runs a fake fucking punt on fourth and four from his own 32 yard line. Hell of a play by the the Kansas City guy. Forty nine Sorensen, I think is his name. That guy was was my MVP of the weekend. Swung the momentum. Can't can't shine praise upon that man more than you know he really deserves all of it It was a hell of a friggin' tackle and kudos to him yeah and who knows what happens if they convert that but he does it absolutely absolutely game-changing play and just a great one-on-one tackle love football that's why you love playoff football exactly and you talk about all of the momentum draining and flipping to the chiefs because that stadium was silent and Uh, now all of a sudden they're going it was kind of hard to watch the second straight home crowd just get completely brutalized in a row and then it was like the opposite they just had like joy and momentum and uh i mean i hate the chiefs being a division rival but it, it was getting hard to see that happen again after it happened in baltimore the night before again i hate baltimore too but it, it, watching home crowds just get completely killed like that is definitely hard to watch sometimes even if you don't like the team yeah and what was the most shocking thing to me is they were up 24 nothing going right. into the quarter they're down 28 24 yeah. going to halftime <laughs> we should say too that all the special teams errors. That's why they were yep. in such a hole, and that's why. Uh, did we mention that the spread while they were down or the money line was only three to one? So Vegas all along, even down twenty four, 
respected the Chiefs enough to not even put it at five to one or seven to one or ten to one. It was three to one. Those bastards. Those yeah. bastards. They know I it all. Buddy, don't they? I had a buddy call me uh, uh, like outright in game live betting. He's like, "Yo, it's, they're down. Chiefs are now fourteen. I can bet the Chiefs money line to win it. Should we do it?" But the odds were negative. He was getting negative odds. It's like, wait, no, let's not touch that. And then in my head, I'm like, how the fuck is Vegas setting negative odds here down 14 in the second quarter? So you, only because you don't touch it just because of that situation. Yeah. Your friend is asking you and you're thinking negative odds. No way. Yeah. Even, even maybe three to one. No way. Even when they're down 24 points, there's, I mean, you realize what a deficit that is. It's crazy. It's and they just erased it, which I mean, I'll go as far to say this, not to skip ahead and pass the Seahawks Packers game. This is colder stamp of wildest, most suspicious spreads I've ever seen in my life. And I know Tennessee just beat the defending Super Bowl champion, but I do not get why this spread is not higher. The Chiefs erased a 24 point deficit last weekend like it was eating a piece of coffee cake on a Saturday morning. They were <laughs> that was insane. And they're only favored by seven and a half, seven in some shops. What is Vegas is trying to pull one over on the public here. Be careful betting Kansas city. I think that's so shady. I think it's the shadiest line I've seen in, in years. I don't understand it. Yeah. I love Tennessee. I, we love, will, I love that team and I'm taking them uh, spoiler alert, but I just, I think that line is so suspicious. We Kansas will get city there. Was, like, they, they did historical things on Sunday. It's crazy to put it in perspective. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, we'll get to that one. The last game. I really don't have much here. Uh, Seahawks Packers, you got vintage Rogers. You got vintage Russell Wilson. I, to me, really what it came down to was Wilson just didn't have the weapons. I mean, he's got TK Metcalf, but he's let's be honest. He's a rookie. He can't be relied on. I think the difference in that game comes down to Rogers having a guy like Devonte Adams who can get open, who can make clutch catches when they need it. And it really, that, that was the difference. You got Wilson, you got Rogers going back and forth. I think you got the game, or at least the NFL and the fans got the game that you wanted to see, but I just don't think, you know, when you look at that game, Seattle just did not have the offensive weapons to keep up with Green Bay. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, they backdoored me on the over under, which I uh, put out there to the listeners as my best bet. But I, I think we were right. I mean, we kind of highlighted Seattle don't, couldn't run the football. They didn't run the football. Green Bay cannot get it to their other receivers, not named Adams. They didn't get it to anybody other than Adams besides Graham on that key conversion at the end of the game. Uh, but I mean, overall Adams was their only shining stud in terms of the passing game. Um, he had a hell of a game and credit to him. You know, I always, you know, I always throw respect at guys that shine in the big moments and he, he did shine there, but I would bet that over under, I'd bet it under again and again and again. I think we had the right side. Wilson kind of backdoored us in the end and the two quarterbacks were good. We, we, we had mentioned that. I think when we talked about it last yeah. week is how they could push it over just themselves. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Wilson is good enough, but he doesn't have enough talent to win that game. So to your point, Seattle came up short because they just lack one or two more playmakers. Uh, and you know, Metcalf could elevate to Adams level with Wilson. And then that team could be just as good as green Bay. There's nothing saying that they can't be Carson Jones. I think those are even the defenses are pretty, pretty even. Uh, I think Seattle got lucky in a couple games and, and that's why ultimately I think green Bay, the right team won the game because Seattle yeah. had a kind of lucky season. I had that same note written about Metcalf, but my only thought here with bad coaching decisions, uh, Pete Carroll, and I don't even know if it's bad. So I want to get your take on this. Uh, it's fourth and 11 Seahawks have the ball on their own 35 yard line. There's only three seventeen left to go in the game. The Seahawks have three timeouts down five and they and punted, Carroll right? decided to punt it. Yeah. So what yeah. do you think on that decision? Uh, 
Yeah, I think it that came down to that. I don't think he thought they had the offensive horses. I don't love that call because I I think we went over with the Eagles the week before. Uh, I was defending Peterson. Is that you don't want a hail mary to decide the game, and so that's almost like what that punt represented. It's like we'll get the ball back and we'll get hail mary in the end zone. It's like, that's not how you should try to win a game when you're down five. Like I think you should try to go for it uh, yeah. with Wilson. But I mean, it's it's a tough spot. I, I don't love that call. Pete Carroll, though, ultimately decided this. He hitched his wagons to Russell Wilson after that Super Bowl collapse, and he still has a job. And he's pretty much the safest coach in football besides Belichick. So long yeah. term, he's, he'll be OK. I <laughs> as agree. Long as Wilson's uh, his quarterback, he'll be fine. I, I instantly, while it was happening, I, I said they've got to go for it there. I, I just think the reason being that th- I know they had three timeouts. There's 317. In theory, you get the ball back. But. I just think the way Rodgers was playing that game, you, you don't want him with the ball. I, I just don't think they were able to stop him enough. I don't think you saw enough from the Seahawks defense to stop him. And ultimately, that's what happened. The Seahawks never got the ball back there. I think you got it on fourth and 11. Just take a shot with your best player. Hope that Wilson can scramble, maybe buy some time and get a, a deep completion. I mean, 11 yards is a lot, but it's not like it was fourth and 27 that, like we saw a couple weeks ago with the Bills. So I just didn't like that one. But that's just me. All right. That brings us to championship weekend. We've got two excellent games on the docket. I think really only one surprise team here uh, being Tennessee, but the way they're playing, it is hard to argue with that. Now, before we jump into this, Mr. Model, if you would be so kind, let's update the listeners on our picks and see who is in the lead of this playoff pick them. Okay, so for last week, let's go over real quick the outcomes from the picks that we all made. Uh, I will go first because I wasn't on the podcast, but you guys were uh, good enough to stand in for me and actually put them out. So my non-key pick was the Baltimore-Tennessee under 47. That one barely eked it out. I think the total there ended up at 40, so that was a win for me, thank goodness. And then my key pick was Houston plus 9.5, which we already touched on. That looked good early and burned very hot late. That was a loss. Um, It was like the Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) It looks great setting sail from the dock. Um, As for you guys, there's some suspicious collusion happening for some reason. I can't believe it. Both of you guys were on the same page with both of your picks. So your non-key pick, you both had the Vikings at plus six and a half. That turned out to be a loss. I'm not sure what you were thinking there. I I really think you guys were riding the momentum from – the first Vikings win, but they just did not show up against those 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. As we covered earlier, they were, there was a lot of reasons not to like Minnesota that we just completely missed when we were talking about them last week. Yep. And I was comparing them to the saints who the Niners played the week before. And then I look at the Niners and the Viking. It just, I I missed that pick. It was bad. Yep. And then the second one, your guys' key pick Seahawks Packers under 46. That one just eked over that. I think it landed up somewhere up in the 50 or 51 range. That was a loss as well. So you guys both went 0 and 2. So for the standings, are you ready? Give it to us. In first place, he's always in first place. Except for the podcast regular season. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, not on here. <laughs> Culture, I went 0 and 2 last week. Too. <laughs> yeah, you're still in first, so don't worry. You had a good first week in the playoffs. You have two points. Ryan, you are in second place with one point. And I am at zero points that I've now moved out of negative because I challenged and lost. So we are at 2-1-0 moving into this weekend. Our listeners right. must be so confident here. In our yeah, seriously. 
<laughs> All right. So these are the lines that we've got right now uh, for the opening game. The first game we're seeing minus seven. Some books maybe you might be getting at minus seven and a half for the Chiefs against the Titans. Titans are a big dog over under set at 53. Uh, Mr. Model, you uh, got a point last week. So you are last week's winner. Why don't you take us away here with your first non key pick? I'm going to do this purely based on emotion and rooting. This is going to be very different for me because I, at this point, I have no idea on kind of what these teams are going to show up and what's going to happen. I have no analytics. I have no metrics. I'm aligning myself with Coulter's preseason bet. I am going to take Green Bay plus seven and a half Woo! so I can. <laughs> I can root along with him to see if they can actually pull one out and actually not just cover, but actually come through and win. So for my non-key pick, I'm taking Green Bay Packers seven and a half. Let's go. Colton, what do you it. got there? Personally, I love it. I, I I will not be playing it because I need it to win so badly otherwise. <laughs> but uh, you know, Green Bay's defense, as I said last week on the pod, is underrated, and I think they can slug it out with San Fran. That field uh is ugly. And I'm, we're about to get to that in my first best bet. I think the game will be low scoring and I think green Bay can hang with it. And all they need is an Aaron Rodgers miracle. How many times have we seen that in the playoffs? I mean, come on. Uh, if this game is 13 to 12 or something ugly like that late in the game, you don't trust this guy to make a play. I, I do. So why not keep it close ride green Bay. Now for me, I've got a couple of takeaways from this game. This is a rematch from not too long ago. Uh, I want to say, and Sam, yeah, and San Fran blew him out of the water. We should yep, put that. They won. Too. They beat, they won that game 37 to eight at home. So I don't know what's going to be different about this. I just, from what I saw this past weekend, I know green Bay's offense put up a lot of points, but that was in Lambeau. Uh, I, I don't see them going into San Fran and doing that against that defense. I saw a lot from that defense that I really liked. So much so that I am going to be challenging this pick and making it my key pick. Give me the uh, Niners minus the seven and a half. Woo! Here we now go. I re- now I really need to hedge on the, the Niners this weekend. Key pick Casale's on them. Oh, geez. Now I got to give that with a little caveat because key pick Casale has gone 0 2 so far in the playoffs. So maybe my mojo is not transitioning to the playoffs here. Uh, I think the biggest differential in this game is going to be George Kittle. He's going to make a play that is going to swing this game that I don't know if the Packers can come, come back from. Now, I said it earlier, the Niners, their model is they get up early, they dominate the run game, and then they kill you with that pass rush and force you into making bad plays. I don't know if Rodgers is going to do that, but if you're telling me that you got Richard Sherman, who's going to be able uh, ideally to cover Devontae Adams, but you've got a double Devontae. Oh, come on, come on. Oh, you got, I love Devon. I love Devonte Adams against Richard Sherman. If oh, they're going to win the game, it's going to be Bosa stripping uh, Rogers, the ball before he gets it out to Devonte Adams or green Bay, not being able to get the ball into their other crappy receivers like Geronimo Allison and Marquise bailed is scantling who I don't trust at all. But, uh, it's not, I don't think it's going to be because of Sherman. If, if Sherman is the reason why the Niners, uh, win on Sunday, I'll eat crow. That one I'm almost positive of that will not be the reason. Well, one of the reasons I think Sherman is having a bounce back year is that as that a front coach, seven, appreciate, yeah. yeah, a front seven that can rush the passer, especially when you can do it with just your front four. So I think that's also one, one of my all time enemies. I give Richard Sherman no love and not a single <laughs> inch. All, all hate and no love for Richard Sherman for, on this podcast from for me personally. All right. 
All right. <laughs> you, can, you can you can send it to him. I don't really give a crap. You know, I'm having a good. I'm having I'm having a good season. I I'm feeling pretty confident. I'll chirp I'll chirp the the chirp master Richard right. Sherman. And and by the way, I should add again not to keep segueing into my best bet, but Richard Sherman, as much as I dislike him, does factor into my my first best bet, and that's the under. I love love the under in the NFC Championship game. In fact. I while we've been talking and digressing and, and and theorizing here on this podcast, I've come up with a little hundred dollar wager that might be a nice little out for me is San Fran money line and the under at forty six and a half, which is live right now. I kind of like that. It pays off at one fifty. It, it kind of is a little bit of a middle, not a ton, but it's a. I love the under in this game, and I might as well put on the Niners just for the hedge sake uh, with my prop bet. Uh, or my prop bet from the August. But anyways, let's get to the, this best bet under 46 ground game. These teams uh, each have a stable of running backs who are going to, they're going to look to establish early dominate the line of scrimmage. Both teams are going to want to do that. Uh, an interesting prop bet. That's probably a little too niche for our listeners, unless they are in Las Vegas is the first half over under. I really like that one. I like this game to start slow. I don't trust Jimmy G against green Bay secondary. I don't trust Jimmy G playing from behind. I think we might get a double dose of, we had it with Lamar Jackson last week. If Jimmy G falls behind in this game by 10 points, do you really trust this guy to come back? That's why I kind of am getting really excited about my my Green Bay pick here because I I, I just love the situational spot where they fall behind in the first half in a, an ugly game where maybe it's 9-3 and he just can't come back for some reason. Uh, I know the Niners have some explosive players and the Packers have Adams, but I think both secondaries are more favorable. I think Green Bay's match up well against San Francisco's receivers. And I think San Fran, although I hate Sherman again, matches up well overall. Their secondary does well against uh, the Green Bay receivers. And they've got great pass rushers, as we alluded to earlier. Bosa, the Smith brothers. I mean, they've got guys on both sides, of course, Buckner who are going to cause just hell for the quarterbacks and uh, mentioned the turf factor Levi Stadium. You guys are college betters. This has been a house of horror horrors for overs, not only in pro football, but also in college. I'm shocked here that the early money has came in on the over at pushing it all the way to 46 and a half. It started at 45. Uh, I think they're all the people that are taking the over are ignoring this factor. This is a stadium that cashes in on unders. Perhaps it's a fade of this trend uh, that the money is coming in on and they're trying to fade the history. But all I see looking back over the last five years of the stadium, and you guys feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, is under after under after under in almost every big game that's played here. What do you guys think about this one? Yeah, this one kind of makes me nervous. Uh, the only reason being is I feel like this can play out exactly like the Packers Seahawks game. I, I don't know, mm. you know, like that game to me was it started off really slow. I think at halftime was like 17 10 or 17, like it was low scoring in the beginning of the game. Um, but then all of a sudden, like a couple of things happened that made me feel like this potential game could play out very similar to that Seahawks game. Um, I do think though, that see, uh, not see um, the Niners offense can put up points here. So I got them pulled up here, Coulter. Uh, I'm going to quickly, quickly read through the points they put up this season. Now it's going to be every game, but I'll, I'll, be, I'll go quick. 31, 41, 24, 31, 20 to start the year. Then they put up nine. Those, hold on, hold on. Let's not mislead the leaders, man. They had true dose, dose pick sixes in the first week against uh, Jameis Winston, and they played the Bengals, who were a historically bad team on defense to begin the year. Those were two easy wins on the road. This team was all about picking on weak teams. They beat the Cardinals twice, the Redskins. That's true. They, they played weak. This weak, is not that know. good of an offense. I like their running backs. I like their depth. I like their offensive line. They've got great tackles. But the Jimmy G factor has to be highlighted, emphasized, and underlined for our listeners. He played with a lead last week, a comfortable spot. He's comfortable playing with a lead. 
I don't necessarily trust him playing from behind. Uh, Packers jump out, San Fran. They're going to try to come back on the ground and slow the game down. I think the under, that's why I like the under. If In both situations, even if San Fran jumps out to lead, what are they doing? They're running. If Green Bay jumps out to a lead, San Fran is going to run and try to play it slow and get back into the game, not with a big play. They're not going to take a downfield shot to Sanders or Samuel if the game is 10-3 in the second quarter. They're going to run the ball and just try to get back and tie the football game and play conservative, I think, personally. Do you take into account at all, though, the Saints game? That would be my only caveat there where that's you saw Juju shoot it out. That is, that's why I think I was you, you nailed it. Head, you're like a hammering on the nail. You just actually made my handicap for me. That's why I think the, the over betters are go, they're going goo goo gaga for this over at 45 and why it's already been bet up. 69% of the money's the public is all over this over because of what you just said. The Niners Saints game was the fiesta fiesta of the year. Everyone watched that game. Everyone remembers that game. They're thinking about the Niners, how good that offense is. Ah, I love the under. I love the okay. under. This is I my, like it. I want to bump it up to my best bet. I love you the got, under. Okay, Mr. Model, what do you think? I I'm on board with that. I think he's talked me into it. I've been crunching some numbers. So essentially they're saying that the game is going to end 27 to 20, right? Like right around there, um, depending on if it lands at 46 or 47 or 45 or whatever. To me, I totally agree. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game to me. The, I think the bet, if I could make it, which we can't in this competition would be taking green Bay's team total. If it was like 20 and a half, I would take that under, I like that more than, this over under in general, but I'm fully on board with where culture's going. Okay. I think, I think you just hit a great point. I this was actually my last point for this under. I didn't get to read it off. This is a great one here. If Devonte Adams. So what did we see from Minnesota? The only positive in this entire uh, sequence last week was that he got a big touchdown, Stefan Diggs, and tied the game, right? That was their only positive offensive play in the first half. Am I right? Yep. Okay. So what if that happens? Devontae Adams has a big touchdown. Green Bay scores. Everyone's hooting and hollering. Oh, Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And then they come out, and the Salah guy is a defensive wizard. He just erased Diggs after that play. He allowed him to score one big touchdown, and then he was done. What if Devontae Adams just gets schemed out of this Packers offense? If Devontae Adams finishes with less than five catches, less than 50 yards, even just one touchdown or less than that, Green Bay will not score 17 or more points. They will go under 17. So 19 and a half. I love that. And if someone looking for a hedge on this, his terrible, potentially terrible Green Bay, Kansas City thing, I love the Green Bay under. That's another great way to hedge it. And I'm glad that the model just brought that up because I think if Adams is taken out of Green Bay's uh, plan, I don't see how they can score. Their receivers are god awful. All right. And I there don't care they have Aaron Rodgers. I, I hate Green Bay's supporting cast other than Devontae Adams and Jones. I can't stand those supporting receivers. They're, they're my least favorite players that going into this weekend. So I want to get a point of clarification. Are you making Green Bay San Francisco under 46 your non-key pick, or are you upgrading it to your upgrade, key pick I'm going to upgrade it because I'm not getting <laughs> value on my other pick. I, the, my, my numbers are off. Uh, and yeah, I'm glad that you, you uh, pointed that out. So my best bet of the week is the under because I'm getting the better value uh, or not the total best value right now, but I'm getting better value on the 46 than I am on the Titan seven, uh, which is seven. According to the lines you sent out before the pod, although I would recommend getting it at seven and a half if you can, uh, if you're better, but yeah, that's, that's my other best bet. But this is my, my key pick is the under 46 in the NFC championship game. 
Well, let's yeah. go immediately Probably there because I think that's a nice segue. And this is going to be one area where you and I disagree. Culture. Yeah, I was so going to say, we're, we're, we're throwing two challenge flags. Which is <laughs> we're, ending we're, we're ending the season with lightning, which I love. Yeah, it's uh, going to be fun. Yeah, so so my fir- first best bet and challenge away is Tennessee and the points. Uh, Derek Henry, this is number one factor. I didn't think we'd ever see another running back eclipse my beloved Terrell Davis as the best postseason running back, but Derrick Henry is well on his way to doing that if he hasn't already. And I'm certainly not going to go stand in his path as a tackler getting shoved over by his mighty strength. There isn't a scheme to stop this guy. He took 57 carries in high school. This guy right now, I mean, you can pound him again and again and again, and no defense is going to stop him. The Chiefs, if they're going to be without Jones again, I don't think their run defense has much of a chance. If this guy goes over 125 yards, that's at least five to 10 plays less that Mahomes will have to run, I think, in this game, which could be a huge factor with the spread. Uh, I think Henry allows Tennessee to play its game and keep this one close. Uh, Dean Pease's defense, as I highlighted earlier, he's been a wizard for years, and now he's having his moment. I could definitely see him being highlighted during Super Bowl week. I like how healthy they are up front. I think I highlighted that earlier. They're dominant in the middle of the field, and Chiefs' offensive line, the middle of that part of their offensive line is weak. I could see Mahomes scrambling out of the pocket a lot on Sunday, throwing in oncoming traffic, throwing balls into the sidelines. I really like Dean Pease against Patrick Mahomes, and I like fading Patrick Mahomes after that historic day he had last week. And then you got to look at the playoff opponents. Tennessee has beaten the team that won the Super Bowl last year, and they beat the best regular season team from this year. They have a ton of momentum. Uh, More importantly, whatever momentum advantage the Chiefs might have gotten from Sunday uh, has to be diluted in terms of the factoring into the points because they played the worst team in the postseason that was remaining, and that's Houston. Houston fell behind 16 points to Buffalo at home. I think Buffalo is the worst team, worst team in the playoffs besides Houston. So uh, I just don't think Kansas City's common or the playoff opponents, if you add them up, uh, that's I think maybe why the line is so light because I don't think Kansas City has necessarily played a great team, whereas Tennessee has now beaten two great teams in the playoffs. Uh, this Tennessee team is a different animal, much different than Houston. And I like getting the extra half point. I know what I'm not getting it here, but if you can get the seven and a half, there's absolutely no reason uh, for you not to take it because Tennessee's, I think they're going to show that they're just as good as Kansas city. They already beat them once this year. I think they're going to keep this one close. Uh, hopefully Kansas city wins straight up so I can enter that NFC title game with a little bit of way to hedge my thing. But I, I do like, uh, Tennessee in the points here, best or second or first best bet, I should say, as I changed so it. Mr. Model, you are Ch- opposed to challenge right? away. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I have issue with a couple of things. So I totally hear you about Derrick Henry, but one of my things there is that this is a guy who's been getting 30 plus touches for the last three Don't or care. four games. Look at the high school stats. This guy's used to carrying the load. Look at have you looked at the high school thing, his senior year? His high school stats are insane, but this is the 40 NFL. Plus going carries to every single game. game. Twelve yeah. straight games. I mean this guy is an animal. He's not like other running backs. He's not wearing down. I, he, I don't care. He's a beast. I don't care. To me, he's like an outlier that's going to have to come back to the mean at some point. And to me, yep. this this I've game heard this is going all to week be... long. I, I, lo- <laughs> I, I, I love I love hearing this because Derrick Henry is thinking these math guys are trying to put a number on me. There's no number. There's no number of carries that could limit me. And to have me, you guys have you guys seen Uncut Gems or no? No, not yet. Oh. I've been trying to see it. I just haven't gotten around to it. I was going to say, there's a great scene where Sandler pumps up Kevin Garnett. If I was in Derrick Henry with the locker room, I'd give him a very similar speech. I'd be like, these number analytic motherfuckers don't, 
they think they know you, but they do not know you. Run it down their throat and prove again that numbers and math and, and that stuff, it doesn't matter when you have an animal like this. This guy can run again and again and again and again and again and again, and he's going to on Sunday. I love it. I love I love hearing the Derrick Henry factor for why you should back the Chiefs this weekend, that he's going to wear down. Not going to happen. Not Not even close to happening in this game. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to bite. I'm not going to bite. I'm just saying that there's going to be a stopping point. It's going to happen. They've been doing a ton no, of travel. I, I do agree. Uh, eventually some, all, you know, planes have to come out of the sky. There's no doubt about that. I get the mathematic component of it, but like there is the other factor is like, this is just a freak athlete. He's a once in a generation player that is just being, he's been disrespected the first two games where people are making them nine point underdogs. And what were they against new England? Uh, five point underdog. And this guy's like, listen, I'm different. I'm, I'm an intergenerational talent. That's, that's Derrick Henry won the Heisman. He carried the ball 50 times in one high school game and at 500 yards and 12 touchdowns. Like he's insane. He's not normal. What, he's what, why, can't people, freak. why can't people just grasp that fact? They grasped it with Adrian Peterson. I would argue Henry could be potentially even better than Adrian Peterson. Right. What am I well, missing here? And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And even let's say Henry even has a game of 150 yards and two touchdowns. I still Doesn't don't think that they're going to be able to hang ability to cover the spread. I no. don't, I don't. No. So my thought on this one, my only concern is, is I agree with the model there. I don't think they can keep up with the chiefs. That'd be my only concern. They can though, if they're running out the clock all day long, that's possible. Now I'm not touching this line. Actually, uh, I'm staying away from that line just for that reason. But I ultimately, I do think the chiefs are going to cover that number, but I've been betting against Tennessee this entire playoffs and lost. So that's why I'm not. Yes. Touching this line. Yes. This is a team that's been disrespected. Everybody has yeah. been pe- picking against them every week. They're hungry. They're still hungry. And you guys how, can you hate, how can you hate Mike Vrabel threatening to cut off his penis at the beginning of the year if they won the Super Bowl? Love that. Conspiracy <laughs> alert. Conspiracy alert. He already has lost his penis in a separate freak accident and therefore has nothing to lose. <laughs> Talk about motivating your players. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually not touching that line, but you guys want to know what I am going to do for my first uh, pick because I already made my key pick and I already threw a challenge flag. I'm yeah, taking it over in this game. Are you fucking kidding me? I thought We've that's how the model was going to go with his first pick. Cause that's the, the, the pure joy bet of the week is just take the oh, over and enjoy the points. There's we no doubt. If you don't yeah. have a favorite team, just bet the over in the chiefs game and have fun. I mean, that's yep. like the, that's like rolling it in Vegas and putting it on like a slot machine. That's like, that's just the fun bet for sure. I mean, Nothing wrong with that one. Tennessee putting up these points. I mean, they just, they just, shoved it down the Ravens throat. Uh, their offense put up 14 against new England. Who's the toughest defense in the league. There's no way the chiefs defense is as hard as those two teams. Uh, they're going to put up at least 20. And if you think like maybe some people do on this podcast that the chiefs are winning this and covering the spread, I mean, the chiefs are going to get to 30. So I love the over in this game. I actually think Tannehill is going to play a factor in this. You saw him make some plays with his feet, convert some third downs, have some deep throws that actually looked really good. I think this game is shootout city written all over it just because I think the chiefs are going to jump out to the lead here and that's going to change the play of that game. So I'm taking the over. This to me is a lock bet. Yeah, I love it. They were 35, 32 in week 13. I mean, right. You gotta, you gotta like the over. Yeah. 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 The other, the other thing I should actually put out to our listeners for the umpteenth time this season, just to beat the dead horse is that Tennessee has only made eight field goal field goals this year. So if you are riding the Tennessee side with me, 
just be aware they haven't made a field goal since that Chiefs game uh, that they won 35-32. So they haven't they haven't made a field goal in almost two months. So just be wary of that fact. I, I know I'm on the Titans, so it makes me sound a little crazy pointing that out, but it's definitely some, talk about something that will return to the mean. It's not Derrick Henry. It's the fact that the Titans have won this many games in a row without kicking a field goal. Wow. Talk about that, a shocking stat. I mean, holy moly. I mean, that is unheard of. Uh, I would love to see nothing more than this game come down to like a, a <laughs> let's just say it's 35, 32 and the Titans have to kick a game winning field goal yeah. and they miss. And then I, my prop bet, and then I cover here. That would be great. <laughs> That would be something that's going to come into play here. So those are our picks for the championship weekend. Uh, this is a big one for our standings, boys, because then all we've got is Super Bowl. Maybe we we'll create some props. We'll discuss that. But uh, it's going to be a great weekend of football. I fucking love this Sunday. This is up there with one of my favorite Sundays of the entire year. Let's go it's, out. Let's just enjoy the football. It's the most fun week of the year when your team is playing in the championship game without a doubt. Oh, yeah. And it's still fun when you don't have a team, but it's undoubtedly without question. The Super Bowl is too nerve wracking. Conference championship weekend is definitely when the Broncos have played it in the past. I get such a kick out of this weekend. Uh, it's definitely the best. Uh, and I'm really pumped, too, because this week has been a really downer as we let off with, with the baseball stuff. So I'm really pumped for some good football. Yep. Well, that's our picks. That's our show. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you for all the listeners for sticking in with us here. That is episode 65 in the books. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's oh, who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.